you're listening to the Who Are You Really podcast. A podcast that features interviews with the captivating people we've met. Liv and I have learned that everybody has a story. Whether it surprises you, shocks you, or resonates with you, stories have a way of connecting us, offering new perspectives, and acting as a reminder that we're not in this alone. And there's nothing we love more than bridging people together in our little big planet. We'll get vulnerable, raw, and real with our guests from all over the world. I'm your host, Lydia Klemensovich. And I'm your host, Olivia Poglianich. Welcome to our safe space. No judgment, no egos, all the feels and all the fun. So pull up a seat, get cozy, and let's dig a little deeper together. Okay, so today I'm very excited to announce our guest, my very best friend, Megan Hom, who I don't have a very exotic, fascinating story for how we met. Funny enough, we were just sorority sisters in college. I like to pretend I was never in a sorority, and so does Megan, but it was such a blessing to have her on air. Megan is a huge, huge family person and extremely loyal and dedicated and talks a lot about what it was like to lose her father in a very abrupt accident. And I'm so appreciative that Megan is on air with us today to dive really deep and talk about some of these intense, vulnerable things that people don't often get to discuss. Yeah, completely. I really was honored to share space with Megan in this conversation today. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to lose a parent at such a young age and she's so honestly and vulnerably spoke about her experience with it and how it changed her perspectives how it changed her life um, moving back in with her mom during that time and yeah, it was just really revealing, honestly. And I can't thank her enough for sharing that space with us and trusting us. And I hope that we can all learn something from this episode and, and, and learn truly how precious life is and take nothing and no one for granted. We also talked about, you know, spirituality a little bit and crystals and, and friendships and travel. And so we do get, you know, fun and stuff in this episode as well. So there's a nice mixture of lightheartedness, but also deep conversation. So I hope that everybody enjoys listening to it. this guest. This is my best friend, Megan Hong. Thank you so much for joining me and Lid on air today. How are you, Megan? I am great. I'm really excited for this. I'm not going to lie. I'm like nervous too, because I'm like, how in depth do these questions go? But I'm excited because this is like what I love to do with you. Yeah, okay. I love the podcast. Thanks. So happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you um, join us, Megan. And at this interesting moment in life right now I think collectively individually you know there's a lot of things going on so 
like, let's just start right off the bat and start on a high note. What are you most grateful for right now in your life? Right now is probably just my family and of course my closest, closest friends. Because for me, uh, like I'm thinking if I were currently in my own apartment right now, or if I were in a different city, which is going to happen at some point in the near future for me, um, it would be really lonely. Um, but my family, I also would be 10 times more homesick, I think now um, in this current environment, if I weren't currently with my family. So yeah. I know um, family's like always been super important to you, Megan. Yes. Would you say it's like your number one value if family even can be a value? I guess it can. I think it can. Uh, yeah, I would say that. And I think I would extend that actually to just um, family or people like family to me. Um, so even if I'm not blood related to them um, or even related to them by marriage, just family slash um, the few closest people that I consider like family to me. Mm -hmm. Then do you differentiate between, you know, blood related family or like a chosen family? Like kind of what is your opinion on, on that? Uh, I mean, I definitely recognize it, but I don't really differentiate. To me, they're like, they're of equal importance to me, I would say. And why do you think family is so important to you? Like, where did this come from? Obviously, it probably came from your family. From my family. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I would just say it's been my mother. It's like her number one value. It's her mom's number one value. It's like just been passed down. That's just how we are. So my mom has instilled that in us since we were born and she always said remember like friends whoever it is can come and go but family is always here to stay which i'm sure a lot of families say but um she's always said that to us and she always wanted to make sure that my siblings and i also always remained close um even to this day like if we're fighting she'll get in the middle of it even though she shouldn't because we're in our 20s and my brother's almost 30 now so but she definitely drilled that into us like family always comes first i can relate to that too about the sibling matter i'm really close with my sisters so can you kind of allude to what your relationship is like with your siblings just how many siblings you have and yeah and how that changes depending on the sibling too or when you're all together yeah and also how how big family is to you because i think for everyone family means something different so that's true who are you talking about when you're referring to your family for me it is i guess this kind of hits on lydia's question before like do i differentiate between different family members um like my family is layered in terms of like how close i feel to them um so i mean whenever we have family functions it extends far into our distant relatives so like my great my great uncle and all of his kids, like we get together at family gatherings um, multiple times a year. And so I consider them family, but of course, like I don't feel as close to them as I feel to my first cousins, my first aunts and uncles. And of course I don't feel as close to them as I do to my siblings and my mom, which to your question just before Lydia is, I have two siblings. So I have an older brother who is three years older and then a younger sister who's four years younger. So um, I'm pretty evenly split in between both of them. And I would say because I'm closer in age to both of them than they are to each other, I'm closer with each of both of them, like not just in age, but in terms of relationship status and uh, how connected we feel. So they have seven years difference. So obviously they're a little bit more distant in terms of what they have in common, but it is definitely a different relationship with both. Um, my sister, I always, <laughs> if she listens to this, she'll laugh and she'll probably roll her eyes because she gets annoyed with me. But 
I always treated her like my little baby, like my, she was my baby. And there's like a home video of me yelling at my mom when I was, I think I was like six, five or six years old. And Erin is my sister's name. So when Erin was, she was an infant and we were just like feeding her baby food. And I was yelling at my mom being like, cause I got mad at her about not letting me feed Erin. And I was like, Erin's my baby, she's not your baby. So it's like really weird. I don't know where that came from, from such a young age. But like apparently I always wanted like a baby sister or brother. So I've always felt very maternal to her. Whereas Ryan, who's my older brother, it's more of just a friendship, I would say. And that actually, it was not always like that. And I think it feels pretty distinct when that like turn in our relationship happened, where we just went from being like brother and sister, where he used to just like, punch me and like not super hard but just be a pest of a brother and then I would say when he was a senior in high school and I was a freshman and he started driving me to school um that's when we got really close and then like that friendship more than just sibling relationship started so that's my relationship with my siblings and your yeah. mom yeah so my mom it also I would say has evolved more into like a friendship type relationship and I think I feel like that's just only natural with any relationship as you get older you're more able to relate to your parents and they can also relate to what you're experiencing so and it's interesting when you start to notice a shift in your relationship with your parents like I feel like I started to feel that when I was I would say senior year of high school and then definitely when I was in college I started to feel like all right they're not just there to take care of me I started to feel a responsibility of okay I should start looking out for them now too and when I was younger, I never had a problem with them paying for all of my stuff, buying me all of my things. But I would say late in high school, early in college is when I started to be like, okay, no, I can't rely on them for everything. They're getting old. I have to start taking care of them. And it became more of like a shift in our relationship where I didn't feel like entirely just their child anymore that they 100% took care of. I felt like that burden, not, I will, not burden, but I felt that sense of responsibility on myself. I know what you mean, Megan. Like, I remember when I was around 20, 21, so maybe it took me a little longer, I felt that same, like, disconnect from my mom as my caretaker slash, like, authority figure to my mom as a friend. And I think it's yeah. like we've become adults. But it's so interesting that you have then flipped the script and feel a responsibility to take care of your parents. I don't know if I'm a bad child and if my mom ever listens to this, I'm sorry, but I don't feel that same responsibility. I wonder if that comes from like a cultural difference. Maybe? I was just going to say, I feel like some of it is cultural. Because I can see that in my mom um, towards her parents. Ever since I can remember, my mom has been like that towards her parents. And my mom's siblings also, um, she has two siblings, so my aunt and uncle also act the same way towards my grandparents or their parents, where they're very much they take huge responsibility for the well-being of their parents. And so maybe it's only be, like I've seen that my whole life and that's now what I have imposed on myself to do. Um, Cause they, my parents never asked, if anything, they get upset when I try to like buy them things or do things for them to help take care of things for them. Um, they or she doesn't like that now, but I just feel like I should. And I have no issue doing it. Like if whatever they need, I will make sure that I can do it. Even if at times it is, like sacrificing something that I want or, and sometimes I don't even realize it, I don't think, um, that I'm sacrificing something unless somebody else points it out, like Olivia does. She'll be like, you know this, or like other people in my life have also pointed it out. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right, but. 
Can you give an example, Megan? I guess like in this instance, like currently the most relevant or recent thing that comes to mind is um, just being at home, living at home. So I've lived at home for the past two years now after having lived on my own in a different state, well, different state, but literally an hour away from home. But it's been two years, my sister has moved back and I have had a couple of friends who have told me like, hey, you know, it's, you should go. It's your time to like get back out there on your own, live your life. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, there are other factors affecting me not having moved out, but I also do still feel a sense of I should be here to like help take care of my mom. So I have two questions first, Maiden. One yeah. for maybe people who don't know, because uh, you mentioned culture being a reason for why you yeah. kind of put that first. Do you want to kind of give our listeners a background of your culture? Yes, I completely forgot I'm like speaking to you guys, but also to people who have no <laughs> idea like about me. So um, I am Chinese and that's my ethnicity uh, and my family. I mean, I am very Americanized. The environment that I grew up in is very predominantly Caucasian. And at least growing up in my town, there weren't that many Asians. And so I definitely, I mean, I had exposure to them from my family, like keeping in close contact with my, all of my cousins. So I have nine cousins on my mom's side and my dad's side. So we had a lot of family functions where I would always see them. Um, we take like all the Chinese holidays, not seriously, but we celebrate them. We definitely make sure we celebrate them. And my mom always tries to make sure that she maintains the cultural traditions um, for each holiday and even not for holidays, but just in general, like if there's, I don't know, like any superstitions, like Chinese super, superstitions there are, we follow them. Can you share one, Megan? Yes. So, well, I guess this does technically fall like on a holiday. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. On your birthday, no, I, no idea why this exists. And I've talked to other Chinese people and some of these don't resonate with them. So I'm like, all right, pretty sure my family made this one up. Um, but other ones, they're like, no, yeah, that's a thing. So like specific foods that you have to eat on Chinese New Year or on your birthday, you have to make sure that you eat noodles and they should be long noodles so that it's supposed to represent longevity. Um, you're supposed to eat a hard boiled egg. You cannot eat bananas. No idea why. And um, I've asked other Chinese people, they have never heard of that. So I was like, I don't know where that comes from. But my grandma, we asked her actually, and she said, I don't know. <laughs> She's just like, just do it or don't do it. I'm like, okay. Um, so we just don't do it. Um, but yeah, just like that type of stuff. So we'll make sure we always like remember those types of things. But like, that's just the first thing that comes to mind. And that's just one example um, of. I know I've seen a lot like the red envelopes and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Giving red envelopes with money. Um, but with that one, actually, it's only supposed to be if you're married, you're supposed to give that to someone no matter what age you are, like, and if you're not married, again, no matter what age you are, you can receive a red envelope. But like, if I were 24 and I got married, the elders aren't supposed to give me a red envelope. Yeah, I remember my ex-boyfriend's family is Chinese. Yeah. I was about to say was, just because he's my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember like going to family functions and that was when I was first introduced to the red envelope yeah <laughs> what is this you know yeah um, I was like oh some cash cash flow cash flow for sure <laughs> no it's so true and I was like I guess just another incentive to never get married I'll constantly receive red envelopes with money <laughs> yeah yeah um and then I want to kind of circle back you really hit this theme of sacrifice when it comes mm -hmm. to like your family and 
what is your opinion about the role of sacrifice in love and specifically like is it different for do you heavily sacrifice with your family how much do you do it with your friends or maybe even romantic relationships like this notion of sacrifice in conjunction with our relationships that are fueled with love like yeah. how far is too much or is there a limit or should you always kind of be sacrificing like yeah like what is your opinion on that I feel like sacrificing is a very strong word in the context of many relationships although I would say that I do do that I feel like it shouldn't it should be more compromising which definitely should be more compromising than sacrificing where in a way both people sacrifice but it, it shouldn't feel like a burden um, or a negative thing it should definitely be more towards we're working towards a shared goal so I'm compromising this is something I want to do um, sacrificing though I would say it's something that so I would definitely I would say compromising is what it should be um, but I think a lot of people do sacrifice and that's what my mom has always done my parents have done that like just for our family for my siblings and me um, and I would say that I do do that for my family as well and then in the context of other relationships though whether it would be a romantic one or in my friendships I would never, if anything, it would make me uncomfortable. I would never want someone to sacrifice things for me. I don't know if I wouldn't want that, but it just, it wouldn't sit right with me. Where, But I would want to do that for, like, if a hypothetical significant other, I would want to sacrifice stuff for them. Not unnecessarily, of course, but if it came down to like, oh, I had to sacrifice, whether it's time, some money, whatever it is, I would want to do that for them. And if if anything, that's, I think, what scares me about myself is how much I would sacrifice for someone if I feel that strongly about them, whether it's a friend, a significant other, a family member. I'm like, if they're that important to me, I know I'll do whatever I need to do for what they need or like to make them happy, whatever it is. How come you think you don't like the idea of it being reciprocated for you? That is such a great question. I do not know the answer. I wish I knew. <laughs> I have no idea. And I don't know if it's, I don't know. I don't know if it in a way stems from how when that shift happened in my relationship with my parents where I started to feel uncomfortable with them giving me or a bunch of stuff or doing a lot of things for me and I felt like I had to do it for them and now that kind of just has I don't know translated into all of my other relationships I don't I like it it's nice I like when other people do do nice things for me but in a way it makes me uncomfortable and I really don't know why. I think that's like, I feel like you're such a giver, Megan, and in a really, in a good way. And I think it can be, I feel not like a lot of people can relate to this idea of feeling maybe guilty for receiving, like receiving yeah. something from somebody else, or it can feel like maybe like, at least in my past, it felt like a place of like unworthiness and inadequacy for like not deserving somebody giving me their their place to crash or a meal or something like especially in the context of my personal relationships but then I really switched a needle when I started traveling and the only way I'm gonna you know travel fruitfully and far is if I I'm also willing to receive the kindness of strangers and it's I kind of learned it as like it is one of the most loving things you can do is also receive but I think deep yeah. down it's gonna maybe always come with this notion of like oh I have to pay you back or yeah. I have to do this for you too. And that's a really nice thought as well. I, I don't know if that rings anything with you, but at least that's been my experience. That's a great point. I haven't really thought about that one before, but that, I think that's so true where 
the act of receiving is in a way like it helps feel positive feelings for the person who's giving it to you. So in a way it's not being selfish, but it's just fueling growth of the relationship or whatever. It's a, it can be a, definitely, I think it is a positive thing. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think also, like you were saying, when somebody gives you something, even if it's just like truly out of the goodness of their heart and they really don't want anything in return, deep down you're like, oh, but I do have to like do something in return, whether it's material or a gesture, whatever it is, just show my appreciation. Like I can't just take without giving something back. Yeah, it has to do with self-love in a way too. Like it can be this balance. Like there's people out there who maybe seem so self-absorbed and so in their own world and they're not givers, like they're takers, right? And they take advantage yeah. of other people. And then the other end of the spectrum is someone who's like a martyr, frankly, like you, who's willing to do I anything. I wouldn't go that far. But. <laughs> <laughs> anything and everything for the people that they love. And then there's like this fine line, right? Like being yeah. able to receive more is probably a, a good thing. Um, it's really interesting. I, I kind of want to get back to you, like when you were talking about your family and your living situation, um, you mentioned that you need to stay home for mom. And obviously I know you very well, but Lid may not yet, and neither do most of the people who are going to be listening to this. Can you get a little bit more into why you need to stay home for mom? Like, why did you go home in the first place? Yeah, of course. So, well, when I moved back two years ago, so that was like the summer that my dad passed away. So it was very sudden. My mom couldn't, none of us could plan for it. So... Um, when, when that happened, my sister was still in college. My brother was currently living in DC. And then again, I was like an hour away from home living in Connecticut. So I was the closest one there. Um, so I, I can't remember. I'm pretty positive. Nobody told me to move home. I do remember though, I think my grandma probably did like, so my mom's mom, uh, and a couple other people, like just they would mention like when this was all very fresh, even like at our at the funeral service or when people came over to the house, or, like on the side, they said it to me and I'm sure they said it to Ryan and Aaron. I know they definitely said it to Ryan. Um, they would just tell me like, you know, got to make sure you take care of your mom now, like make people said that, um, and, which like they didn't have to say that for us to know. We absolutely like we naturally felt that inclination. But when that happened, I was like, my immediate thought was, all right, so somebody should be home to help take care of our mom. So I was like, well, I'm the closest one here. And Ryan, Aaron, and I never really discussed it. Maybe Ryan and I did more so, um, but I was just like, okay, yeah, no, I'm just gonna move back home. I was like, my lease is, it, the timing, it's weird. The timing didn't work perfectly, obviously, because it's like such bad timing in that situation, but um, the timing worked in that my lease was almost up. I had like maybe one more month, so I just like, signed like once that was over I moved back home um and it just happened pretty swiftly so yeah that's why I moved back and then I told myself I said okay well when Erin graduates college she's gonna have to move home just that's like naturally I don't know we didn't know what her job situation was gonna be if she was gonna be able to rent her own apartment so we kind of just assumed when she she's gonna move back home after she graduates so I said that's when I'll move back out um, and I'll go back on to my own. But then in terms of timing wise with my job, but also still feeling a sense of sense. Hey, I'm totally going to interrupt you because you're my best friend. I feel like I can do this. You have this uncanny ability to glaze over yourself. And it's like <laughs> your martyrdom at like, is that how you say it? Martyrdom? It's like you, the sacrificer is like your personality in a nutshell. It's one of the reasons why I love you. 
what about yourself? Like taking care of yourself, you know, like how it's a huge thing to lose a parent. And I could never imagine going through what you had to go through. And like, I still feel so bad for being on the other side of the world when it all happened. Like, Which also, to, not to interrupt Olivia's point, but she is truly like an amazing friend because she was on the other side of the world um, when she was still living in, uh, you were living in Australia at the time, yeah. yeah. But then she just like came back. There's like a, obviously another reason for her coming back, but she like made it back um, the month, like a couple months after um, and completely surprised me, but she made it, showed up at my brother's birthday, surprised me. And that was just so... It was just like my, I wanted to cry. I don't know. I think maybe I teared when I saw you. I was like, what? I was like, what are you doing here? But it was so nice to have that support. We're big um, supporters of letting your tears flow. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Megan knows I cry literally all the time. <laughs> but again, you're making it about me. Like, you're sorry. Here. Sorry. <laughs> I want to hear about you. Like, we both do. And our audience does. Like, tell us what it felt like to, like, go through something like that. Like, I don't want to make you relive a trauma, but obviously family is so, so, so important to you. And it, it yeah. has, has anything shifted? Cause it's, it's been, I guess, two years now, a little bit over two years. And yeah. Which is nuts to me. That's what's really crazy. Well, so before it all happened, I always told my, well, I didn't tell myself, but I always thought I was like, I think the worst thing that could ever happen to me would be if mom or dad died or like Ryan or Aaron died. Like that was always something that I thought. And then it's so weird to like step back two years later, know what my thought was before it all happened. And then the fact that it happened. Um, and I thought a lot about it while it was happening. And I think part of me was just numb. So I didn't really feel, I was like, I didn't feel that it was, I don't know. Honestly, when I look back on it and I was thinking about this, like kind of recently, I think about it, like, I think about like my dad, obviously like every single day, but that time period after he passed, I was like, how did I feel? Like how I was trying to figure out, like, how did I feel? How did I handle it? And when I'm looking back, it's almost like I blocked that out of like my memory. And I'm sure if I think and give it a lot of time, um, it like will come back to me. But I definitely, I mean, I know I don't cry often, but obviously definitely cried a lot during that time. So it helped to just like release it. Honestly, though, I think part of what helped me get through it, though, was again, that sense of like responsibility for my family. So specifically for my mom and my sister, not as much for my brother because he's older than me. Um, but my sister, again, I always felt like she was like my baby. And then my mom, because we switched to that friendship level and she just lost her husband, which not to compare any sort of loss, they're not comparable. Um, but from what I hear, it's like losing a child or losing a significant other is just beyond anything that I've ever heard of. Um, so I knew she was going through something really hard too. Um, but also just having the burden of our whole family on her shoulders, I'm like, that has to be added stress for her, even though we're all adults, my siblings and I are adults now. Um, but I was like, all right, I think I was like, I have to be strong for mom and Erin. Like, so I think that helped me get through it, you know, kind of like fake it till you make it. So I had to fake that I was doing okay and fake that I was like, all right, I can handle this, this is fine. Um, so I think that faking actually helped me make it through it. Um, and definitely whenever I was like in the presence of my mom, like if we would be eating dinner and she would want to talk about it, she still does sometimes. Um, but I like always made sure like I never broke down and cried. Like 
she would have her moments and I would just be there and be like, oh, okay, like listening to her. Taking on that role helped me get through it, I would say. Thanks for sharing that, Megan. I know. Yeah, of course. Like, we're just honored that you would, you know, be vulnerable and open up about something like that. And what striked me was that moment you talked about a child losing a spouse or some of the most like, like every death is hard, but those are definitely like very gut-wrenching ones to face. And it really reflects this thought that everyone loses the same person, but loses a different relationship. But it's not comparable necessarily, but yeah. So do you, did you notice like your way of coping was different than your mom's or was it kind of on the same page or, and similar to your siblings? Yeah, I think um, the way my mom and I handled it was actually kind of similar. We both kept ourselves busy. I kept myself busy with work um, and also my social life because um, I very much have introverted tendencies. I consider myself one. Um, that's just to make myself unwind and feel better. I just need to be alone. Um, but during that time, I think being alone was the last thing I wanted. So I actually, like I look back, I was like, why did I do that? But also it's like what I felt like I needed to do. Like the day, so my dad's funeral service was two days. And then on the second day, family came over and then um, they were just spending the day with us trying to make sure we were okay, which we were, it was so great to have so much family around the entire time. Um, they stayed around for weeks. Like they would come over every single day, which was really nice and a good distraction, um, just having people to talk to. But the second day of my dad's funeral, I left like the family event and I was like, I'm gonna go out. And I met up with my friends, went out for a night out at the bars. Um, and for me, that's what I wanted. And for a good amount of time, even to like, I would say to today, that's something that I use as like a coping mechanism, which is just spending time with friends, um, going out. But at that time, like I didn't want to be alone that much. And I just constantly wanted to like meet up with whoever was nearby um, or I would go out into New York City more, um, even just like go out of my way just to go out. That's what I really wanted to do. And I think that's how I coped. And then my mom kept herself really busy with the house and chores we tried to push her to go to more social things or like just do more to get her mind off it. And she did actually, she did do that. Um, but she would always find herself feeling sad after. So it's something she, I think has also improved since then. And then my brother, actually, I would say my brother between my sister and me and him, between all three of us, he, I think is the most expressive with his emotions. Um, my sister's similar to me where we don't express them really at all. Of course, like when we're happy, but like if he's sad, he'll feel his feels like and he'll want to talk about it, which I appreciate about him. Um, so I've had talks with him about it and he definitely like is able to express himself really well. So I think he handled it differently from I, than I did. So he talked to people about it, which I'm glad that he was able to do. And then I, to be entirely honest, I'm not exactly sure how my sister did because she was at college for another year when this happened. Um, but... And she has her boyfriend who's great and he was a huge he still is a huge support source for her which i'm so appreciative of because i would have been constantly thinking and concerned about her being at college if she didn't have him um she has her friends of course or had her friends at college but it, like obviously having someone who's like who loves you unconditionally is always there for you i was really happy she had that while she was away from family and from home so yeah i think that's how all of us handled it it sounds like it's amazing that you had some people here in New York to really help you at the time, which is amazing. 
But is there anything like if you look back on it back then or even now and I guess like the retrospect that people maybe did wrong or like something that you would have wished that people would have done more of? Like, cause coping is really difficult and different for everyone and the grieving process is really complex. If there's no answer to this question, it's totally fine. But if you could think of anything that maybe people weren't doing right or not necessarily right or wrong, but like, was there something you'd wish that people had done more of to help you guys cope either as a family or you personally? I, or differently. I think I was, I was honestly blown away by how generous people were being friends and family, family, friends, everyone with their time coming over and making sure we were okay. Um, and continuously checking in on us, even again, to this day, people are still texting me. I know they're texting my mom. I don't know about my siblings. I'm assuming so, but still checking in on them. Even if it's like a, a friend that we don't talk to often, but they'll just say, Hey, thinking of you or how are you doing? Um, which like, I honestly, I never had a set of expectations, obviously, because it happened so suddenly. And I never thought of what it would be like to be in this situation, but I don't, I still don't have a set of expectations of what others should do for people who are grieving or who lose someone. I would just say, just being kind to them and offering to, uh, support is enough. And I think people went above and beyond that. And I'm just so grateful for that. I think that's, and again, going back to your, I think your first question of what am I most grateful for right now? It's always about the people because they helped us get through the hardest of times. And right now is still really hard times for everybody. So it's helping us get through it right now too. That's so great to hear. It's awesome that you have that support network. I think that helps make something incredibly difficult, maybe slightly less difficult, but nonetheless, obviously it's a huge hurdle and unexpected life surprise. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me asking, Megan, how did yeah. he pass away? Yeah, so he passed away in a car accident. So he, uh, at the time, was constantly going back and forth to Delaware, um, where he had a job, but he would spend like Monday through Thursday there. So it was the morning. It was actually, so I actually just went on a trip with him. So I took him on a trip to Ecuador and then we got home um, on a Friday. And then that Monday is when he was driving back to Delaware and that's when he got into his accident. Um, so yeah, that's how it happened. Wasn't, I totally forgot you had just gone on that trip. That was so yeah. amazing that you got to have that experience with him. Wasn't there this crazy memory you were telling me? Once? Yeah, that's right. Foreshadow when you were on I, the trip? Yeah. So when we went to, I looked up like, Olivia knows, uh, Greg, if he's listening, he'll know, but I love food, like, and love trying all different types of food. That's how I... Like, if I could just do one thing all my life, that's what it would be. That's my like, biggest incentive for traveling is to try different foods all over the place. Same, oh, um, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and my father also. So he, I don't know if you've ever seen Andrew Zimmern, Bizarre Foods, on the Travel Network. Um, but this guy, Andrew Zimmern, similar to an Anthony Bourdain, traveled all around the world, but ate the most bizarre foods. There was an episode of him eating, like, a live beating heart of some animal that just got slaughtered. Sorry, TMI. Wow. But, like really weird stuff. And my dad loved eating weird stuff. If I'd actually, like, I think that's one of the greatest traits he's passed down to me is his eating habits. Um, like my mom is not the same way. She definitely will try different foods, but he was huge into adventurous eating. Um, so when we went to Quito in Ecuador, 
we went, I looked up restaurants, like the best restaurants that we could go to. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So we went to this really great restaurant. And then like, I just did like a seven course tasting menu. Um, I don't know why he didn't do it, but I just did it in front of him. So I was like, this is great. Yeah. Um, and then it was just a really great dinner. Like we dressed up for the dinner, um, had a really great dining experience. And then it was just very happy. Um, and then after the dinner, we got up and like, we were about to head out and he just like hugged me. He's like, thank you for the dinner. I was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, goodbye. I was like, what? And he was like, oh, I was like, what do you mean? We're, we're heading back to the, like the hotel or like, the, yeah, the Airbnb. And I was like, we're going to the same place. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I, I meant good night. He's like, I don't know why I said that. I was like, okay. And then we just walked on. So I was like, at the time I thought it was weird, but like it didn't stick with me. And it honestly, like, it sounded like it just slipped out of his mouth and he had no idea why he said it also. He's like, huh? And I was like, okay. And you then that was weird. so many stories like this. I was uh, telling Lid a little bit before, remember the time we were in the park and there the butterfly. was a butterfly on your shoe for what? Five minutes? It was crazy. I think I started to time it. Cause I was like, what is going on? And you were moving your foot and the butterfly would not budge. Like, yeah. Have I you think I have a photo of it still, actually. Have you noticed any more, I don't know what to call them, maybe... Like weird signs? Or, yeah. Um, other things happen to me. I kind of, like, they're, they're moments of, like, spiritual energy, I want to say. Interesting. Can you give an example of that? Because I'm like, oh, like, I'm not sure if, like, I felt something similar. Mm, yeah, like, I, I mean, this is... A, I'll try to really cut this short. Basically... When I went to Lisbon earlier this year, it was the second year of my digital nomad sort of journey. And I met in the same order of my family. So my family's, my parents' names are Tom, Renata. Uh, my sister's names are Camille and Alina. And within two weeks, I met an individual in Lisbon, each name by those names. Like I met, and I met like my parents' names were these two baristas at the first place I went to. And then- what? And then I noticed, girl, then the last part that was like freakiest was there was this sweet Portuguese couple who ran this like little magazine cigarette shop right outside where I was staying. And their names were Cecilia and Francesco. And I would always come out and give them a smile and say, hola, tutu bem, which is like, hi, how are Like, how's it going in Portuguese? And that was like enough to just like fill them with this pure glee and love. And I really looked to them. It's like kind of grandparents. And then it hit me like the very last day. Cecilia was the name of my mom's mom, my grandmother who passed away in 2014. And that just like oh, sent me, like I can't even, and to me that was like a moment of like, my family is with me wherever I go, yeah. at home wherever I go. And, and that's kind of what I'm alluding to. And I feel like this story with the butterfly with your father, and thanks for sharing that beautiful story in Ecuador with him by the way like I just felt so moved oh Um, so great all the food (laughs) yeah but just this like idea of um there's something bigger than us you know and like you I'm not to like make this about religion I think but just to know that especially if it happens to you and you can't really put into words it has to happen to you you know yeah that's I love that story because they felt like your grandmother and then you're like, wait, whatever anyone believes, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you felt like that truly was like her energy in a way, yeah. which is hundred oh, percent. That's, so, that's so neat. And that's so like, I love that. And I, I honestly, 
I wish I've had those experiences, but I haven't, unless of course, like I'm not being cognizant of them or I'm being too oblivious, which is very, very What about the song? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I can, oh, this is great, that, yes, thank you. Um, well, I guess, well, before getting into the song thing, I think in terms of like any signs that I think I've gotten, not really, but I, I have no idea. I don't know if anyone truly knows what role dreams play in our lives, but the only uh, signs or like feeling of like my father's energy that I've gotten have been through my dreams that he has actually been in. Um, I think that counts, Megan. I've heard that that's like a huge channel. Like, I mean, nobody knows if this stuff is true or not, but I choose to try to believe in it. Yeah. They say that the dreams are a huge avenue in which you can communicate with like this other world or spirits or what have you. Yeah, it, no, for sure. And then there were a couple and like after, I remember like three of them vividly, um, or four of them actually vividly. And I haven't written them down anywhere. I definitely should, just so I can like remember them. But like, it's so weird. Cause like in the like moment, actually like in a couple of them, I was really sad. Um, and then it's just like, I woke up and then it's like that weird feeling of like being so happy, but also so sad at the same time. And I don't know how often like you guys feel that. I don't even think I feel that often at all. Um, but it was like, oh, I saw him, but like, no, that was just a dream. So like, like simultaneously felt so happy and so sad or like I feel like woken up like, just like being really sad and like having cried in my dream and like of course when I wake up like my face is wet so I'm like okay like this is weird so I don't know how much dreams actually like you said like no one knows what they actually mean or what they are but yeah I would say the dreams has been one and then the song that Olivia is alluding to so um Mumford and Sons they released an album in November 2018 um so that was July August September October so like five months after my dad passed away and I like found out about it because one of my best friends from my hometown texted me and she was like, have you listened to the Mumford and Sons album? Like, it's so great. Listen to it. I was like, okay. And it was like on my way to driving to pick her up to go to dinner. So I was listening to it on the drive, um, but it's called Delta. Yeah. Which does mean change. And then the first song on it is 42. Um, so I just like had Spotify like up on my dashboard playing and I saw the title it's like 42 and the reason why that jumped out to me is because 42 is my dad's lucky number. Um, he like grew up playing basketball from like teenage years to like his early 20s um, recreationally of course but he played and his number on all his jerseys is 42 like the number and all of his passwords 42 so when it popped up I was like oh that's weird and then I started listening to it and it was I forgot the exact lyrics in that song, but basically they say, I'll be your guiding light. If you ever need me, I'll be there. And I was like, what? I was like, it, like a song has never spoken more to me before than that song. I was like, all right, it's my dad's lucky number. And it's literally saying, are you looking up the lyrics now? Maybe yes. you can find it. Yeah. Um, like if you, I was just like, what? That, it, like in times of need, something like that. Like that's incredible. It was That's so weird to me. And I, I was shocked while I was driving. I was like, what? And then the theme throughout the entire album, I think, is about love and loss and grieving. Um, and I was like, this is so weird. They have That's a song not called, a coincidence. I was like, that. I told Olivia when we were talking about this album, like, way back. And I was just like, I want to write a letter to Mumford & Sons being like, what is the significance behind 42? Like, why did you write? Why is it titled 42? Um, we read up about what their album is supposed to be about and they online it was like yeah it's about loss love grieving rebirth stuff like that 
It sounds uh, like he is literally talking to you in yes. this song. Yeah. Can we do a quick tangent and read some of these lyrics? Yes, please yeah, do. go for it. I don't know the tune, so I won't even try to sing it, <laughs> but also I can't sing, so you guys are lucky. I'll just read them. Where do I turn to when there's no choice to make? And how do I presume when there's so much at stake? I was so sure of it all. What if I need you in my darkest hour? And what if it turns out there is no other? If this is our last hope, we would see a sign. Well, I've been running from the ashes we left. Forgiveness speaks for itself, but how can I forget when there's a stain on it all? Give us a sign. I need some guiding light, children of darkness. Oh, so interesting. I have like goosebumps from this story. Because like, I think like you said, he left in such an abrupt, almost unfinished way. Yeah. And this song came out pretty shortly after. It's as if he's kind of giving you a sign and, and saying something. Right. He's, it's like he's there, right? There, yeah. With you, like with you. Um, oh my goodness. Do you feel yeah, that? I, yeah. Like when I heard that song, I like freaked out by myself. I was like, what is this song? I was like, what? And then I listened to a few other songs and there's one called October Skies. I think that's what it's called. The lyrics of that song, I have to, I haven't listened to that album in a little while. I forgot exactly what the lyrics were, but I was just like, once I heard 42 in that song, I started making connections to all the other songs I was listening to. And October is the month he was born in. So when it was like October skies, I was like, okay, interesting. Um, again, talking about like loss and being there, whatever, I forgot the exact lyrics. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I like, it definitely felt it. And I think that's probably the most powerful thing that I felt um, since. So thank you for remind, for remembering that, Olivia. I was like, how did I forget that? And then when I finally picked my friend up, I was like, how did you find this album? What? Like, this is crazy. And she was like freaking out too. It's like, yeah, it's weird. So that actually segues really nicely into a question we prepared for you. Okay. I would love to hear, like, if you had the opportunity to say something to your dad now, what would you say to him? As if now if he were still alive or now like if I saw a spirit and I wanted to like ask him something are you gonna say both <laughs> I guess either um but not like if he was alive indefinitely like basically like your life has changed so tremendously if you had an opportunity to talk to him again I don't think we have the capacity to like bring someone back but maybe for a day or something like that like what would you say or in your dreams or in my dreams that's a I can't remember if I said anything to him in my dreams. Um, or I know he didn't say anything in my, in my dreams. And also in terms of conversations, it's interesting because he was always a man of very few words. Um, so he super was always super sarcastic, super witty, um, also very not in touch with his own feelings. Maybe that's where I got that from. But um, <laughs> so he's very like, didn't talk about that. He would talk about like just face matter stuff. Like, so anything we're watching on TV or, whatever so it'd be interesting to have like another day with him to talk about anything and everything in a way I get like and not to live my life according to somebody else but I think I would ask him like what do, like I don't I don't know that's a really good I honestly have never thought about that because I it's just not a real situation so I never bother to think about it well without even speaking, I would book us a flight and go somewhere else. So we would definitely be traveling somewhere and just like exploring eating food together. And like, we just bonded so much over food. So I know we would talk about food um, and we would eat like some of the best food of our lives. And what would I ask him? I don't know. There doesn't have to be an answer, but like, do you have any sort of like nagging questions or thoughts or like maybe unfinished business? Like, 
it's really great that you got to do that Ecuador trip. I think compared to the rest of your family, like you definitely had like the most sense of closure, yeah. but I don't know, like, is there, there doesn't have to be an answer to the question, but maybe something you wish you had said or. I would definitely just tell him again, like, I love you. I miss you. Definitely would say that. I think that's pretty much exactly the only words that I said, like in my dream to him. In a way, I would ask him and not necessarily saying this is how I would live my life, but I would ask him like, what had you hoped for me? Like, what did you, how did you want to see me like grow up through my entire life, like accomplishing? Um, and again, not saying that I would then be like, oh, okay, that's what he wanted me to do. I'm going to make sure I do that. But I would just want to know like with where I'm at now, like how does he feel about that? And then also how did he, how does he feel or how had he hoped I would go on to live the rest of my life too had he still been here or still not here but whatever that's such a beautiful question and like he is watching and paying attention in his own way be it through yeah signs or i know your mom's super into numerology oh, go into the signs and numerology she's yeah. things i'm pretty sure are not there oh my god there's a spider on the floor that's my dad that's literally what she says <laughs> don't kill it it might be dad i'm like mm. okay <laughs> It is literally Shirley to the T. Like, I can't speak on behalf for your dad, Megan, but just given off of, you know, this really brief encounter and just everything you've shared from your heart, I can probably vouch that he's very proud. I love how grateful you, like, you really radiate gratitude. Like, I really feel like that's, like, this mentality that is running through your core. Yeah, for sure. I think... Yeah, I think that's probably one of the, the most important or the greatest things to feel is gratitude. But no, that's really kind of you to say. Thank you. And also 100% likewise, back at you. Now, I feel like we're selling hippies. You're <laughs> <laughs> great. Like, you're so warm. It's so nice. gratitude and like such a humble nature. Like Megan would never brag about anything ever. <laughs> but on that note I'd be curious to flip the script what would you say you take for granted honestly on like opposite side of the same coin I would say my family like I value them so much but also just whenever we get into stupid fights every single day there's something that I get frustrated with that my mom does or says Oftentimes, if I take my frustration out on other people, it's directed at her. And I feel so bad for doing that because she doesn't deserve it. She does everything for us. Like, she'll sacrifice anything and everything. So, yeah, I would say maybe at the same time, I take for granted my family. And I also, like, stop myself sometimes when I'm doing things. Like, even when I'm, especially when I'm going for walks and all I can do is think or listen to my music, I always be like, oh, like, just, like, breathe in the air and like appreciate your surroundings. Cause I just walk around my neighborhood um, and like, just be so happy. You're still at home, even though I'm like very anxious to, well, so super short context. I'm supposed to move out to California and I, my timeline now is January, 2021. Um, so I'm really excited for that. But at the same time, I'm also so sad cause I've never been that far away from my family and all of my family. Um, so I'll, I'm sure I'm going to get homesick, but I'm also like, I know my mother's gonna like, be a wreck for a little while. So that, it, like, just thinking about, okay, I'm so close with my family now, proximity-wise and relationship-wise, but I still, like, we get in our fights and I we get in our arguments and, like, appreciate them. Try not to, like, act so quickly or react so quickly. I was actually just having that thought this morning on my walk. I was like, why did I stop at my mom last night? I was like, 
don't do that. I was like, you just take a deep breath, answer calmly. That's all you have to do. Literally, like, I'm going to sound like such a bitch because I'm going to tell you what it was. I was watching TV in my bed last night and she like came in, she like knocked on the door, came in to say something. And I was like, yeah. And then like, we just talked for like very briefly and I was drinking wine and I finished. She was like, oh, I, she's like, I'll take your wine glass down. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Like, you don't have to, I was going to do it. So she took it. And then I was, went back to watch my show. She knocked again. And then I got like, I was like, what does she want this time? And then she was like, I just wanted to come in and say goodnight. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, all right, good night, love you. And then she left. I was like, why am I being such a bitch? I was like, she's like just being nice. Aww. But yeah, so it's like little things like that. And then obviously bigger things than that. But I feel that. I do that to my poor mom all the time. And like have some empathy for yourself because you're so good at empathy for everyone else. Like you're 27 years old, you moved back in with your family, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and you don't even know when you're going to move to the other side of the country for your new job. So yeah. Kind of a big state of flux. Yeah, everything, which I know that's how it is for like everybody in the whole world, just a state of flux. So I'm like, it is what it is. Like, you can't rush it. Can't do anything really. So like you're moving out to California. So it just was like, when did that decision occurred to you that you were going to move like why are you going to California because I feel like for a while we were all sort of like oh it's time to just sit still but now we're all realizing wait a second COVID's not going anywhere for a while <laughs> but that doesn't mean we can just sit quote-unquote at home for the next year either right so we're like all making yeah. next moves so what's making you move to California it is I will say 99% work 99.9% work and then 0.1% I've always wanted to live in. Okay, not always, but for a while now. Um, I would say probably definitely within the past two years, maybe even before then, I've wanted to live in a completely different city. Not necessarily without knowing anyone, but that's what the situation is outside of my control. Um, but I've always wanted to live in a different place. And at some point, I really want to live in like South America. I think that would be an amazing experience. Uh, and I just love that continent so much. I don't, uh, it's weird. But yeah, no, I've always wanted to live away from New York. Uh, I don't know how much of that is rooted in me wanting to have space away from my family, to be honest. I've thought about that too. I was like, how much of it is I want to go to another city, but why do I want to go to another city? I was like, in a way, I think I want to be able to live at least part of my life for a little while, temporarily, completely free from all of the family responsibilities, I think, which in a way can be selfish, like, right. Or to me, like, I'm like, oh, in a way that's selfish, but also like, if it's temporary part of my life, it's, it's like, I can have that little time to myself. And then if I decide I want to stay there forever, I'll stay there. But also I feel like I'm going to come back home wherever home is. It'll be where my family is. So I'm going to come back to where my family is. Well, congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. I know it can be like a number of reasons why we move, right? Like, yeah. and that's okay too. It can be that you need space. It could be for work. It could be to live in another state. And I know that like, even when we do make these decisions, I think we put a lot of pressure on it being like this definite thing that's right. going to last forever. But I love that you said, oh, I, you know, I can always return home and I can always like come back to that. Yeah.
okay, you've been to Ecuador. Are you a big traveler then? Like you want to live in South America? Is there another place that you've been to, or maybe it is Ecuador that has given you clarity on the world or another shifted perspective maybe? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think, honestly, I haven't been to more than half of South America, but I'm very open to like exploring any option there. <laughs> I think the first time I went to South America was actually with Olivia and we went to Cartagena and Colombia. And that was, I remember vividly, we were sitting on a bus going to the mud volcano and we were just driving through the towns on our way to get there. And I was just like staring at the window. Like, I don't know what, this is like one moment where I like remember the feeling so well, like staring at the window being like, I think I could live here. And like, it is so different from the life I live now. But I was just like, I felt this weird affinity for the place. And then that's what spurred me wanting to go back to South America. So then I visited a few other places and every place has been amazing. So I would love to go back down there at some point. Um, but also I would say another place that I went where I was like, I think I could live here is just because of like the vibe and energy of the place was Stockholm, which is very, very different. Like the people there, completely opposite of, I would say, um, a lot of people in South America and the weather's so different. What do you um, think drew you to two totally different cultures? I don't, that's so weird. When I was in <laughs> Stockholm, I was like, this is just a completely different type of life that I think I could live it felt comfortable. Whereas South America is definitely not what I'm used to. Um, the people for one are just so warm and friendly. Like, I love that. I feel like there I would be able to just truly appreciate life. And then Stockholm was different where like, not nearly as warm weather-wise or people-wise. Um, but I was just like, this energy is just very my speed. I think the energy of both places, the environment, the people, well, maybe less of the people in Stockholm I was drawn to because I didn't really get to meet that many. Um, but there were actually a few locals who, like, we met, my, the friend I was traveling with, um, we met, and they were very welcoming and warm in their own way, which is really nice. So, I don't know. I think that's a really beautiful, because um, I wasn't expecting that, and I think maybe even just goes to show, you can find peace and extraordinary people and cultures and food and all yeah. these things about travel kind of everywhere and not to knock a place before you try it. You may be actually pleasantly surprised in the depth and complexity that exists in every country and every culture. So true. I think the more different a place is, the more exciting it is, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's why when we first went to, uh, to Cartagena, why I loved it so much. People, they're so warm and friendly. Like every single person we spoke to or met was so inviting. And then coming from not all Chinese backgrounds are this way, but like from my family, like family comes first. We all love each other so much and we goof around with each other, but there's not that same sense of warmth. Like I would say at least when the places I've been to with the people I've met in South America, they were, it's more of that like tactile warmth, right? Like they're more there to like hug you and they're like not afraid to express it. Whereas in my family, I don't say I love you to my aunts and uncles and my cousins, but we know we love each other. Definitely say it to my mom and my siblings, but I don't know, it's just like a whole nother level. So to me, I was like, that's so different. Like I think the warmth is what attracted me to there. Yeah, their collective love language is like words yes. of affirmation and physical touch. Yes, yes. <laughs> 100%. Too. Like, I guess I understand why you're saying warm. They're so expressive and not afraid of 
public signs of affection and very open and not afraid to ask questions that would maybe be perceived as you know rude in other cultures so it's really interesting <laughs> I have a really hard question for you both but I don't know my own answer so <laughs> I just thought of this it's here what would you say is like one of the most profound experiences you've had traveling I have not seen the full movie of Taken, so I now realize I basically almost put myself in that situation. Not really, whatever, but I basically, I landed in Amsterdam and I was trying to like navigate my way from the airport to where, like my friend's apartment. So when I was going there, I was told it was only supposed to be like a five minute walk from the train station that like from the airport to the train station, from the train station to the apartment. So I was like, okay, I like left the train station and I'm horrible with directions. But I also, so I didn't have any Wi-Fi or like an international data plan. So I was just walking aimlessly, like trying to trust my gut. Like, I think this is right. And then like, it definitely went on longer than five minutes and I realized I was lost. So I was like, I have no idea how to get there. And I was just like roaming throughout Amsterdam. And then some old man pulls up in like his nice car and he's like wearing a button down shirt. And he just like asked me basically, he's like, are you lost? So I was like, yeah, I am actually. <laughs> he was just like pulled over on a main road too. He was trying to show me on his navigation system in his car, like where I was in relation to where I was trying to go. And he's like, you're three and a half kilometers away. I honestly still don't know how far <laughs> it is. I don't know kilometers, but I was just like, that sounds far. So I was like, huh. And then he was trying to show me on the map. He's like, would you like for me to take you? And I was just like, and I like thought about it for a few seconds. Actually, I was like, mm, but I was also desperate. So I was like, okay, sure. Well, at first I was like, no, you really don't have to. Like, you look like you're like, it's the middle of the work day. You look like you're ready for work. He's like, no, I just finished a meeting. Like, um, I have some time before my next one. I was like, okay. So I got in his car and then he was driving me to where I had to go. And I was like, kept my eye on the navigation system. But I was like, all right, this could be a fun experience. Just like, talk to this like man for, who like lives here and learn about the place. But then he got real personal. Um, and he started like talking to me and like asking me questions about my life, basically leading into if I wanted to be like meet up again and be his weekend mistress is what it came down to. <laughs> <laughs> and you were alone, right? I was alone. Yeah. It's like He's a solo like, female traveler's worst nightmare. I know. Right? And like, I put my suitcase, like it was already in his trunk. And I was just like, these questions are getting really personal. So I tried to draw it to him. I found out he has like two daughters. And I was like, why are you asking me these things? Like, I could be your daughter's friend. Like, this is very uncomfortable. Questions I even, even like talked to like some of my friends about. I was like, that uncomfortable? I was like, okay. And then he eventually dropped me off at the destination, which I was like, okay, great. And then like, I hopped out of the car. He got me my suitcase from the trunk. He's like, can I kiss you? I was like, nope. <laughs> And I was like, thanks so much, Peter. But uh, I was like, thanks for the ride. I'm going to go see my friend. Bye. But I think it's weird because I never felt threatened, which is really weird because it's a threatening situation. But in retrospect, that was so stupid of me to put myself in that situation. But like just based off of his demeanor, even though he was asking a weird thing, um, I didn't feel threatened by him. And I also, my thinking was like, if I got out of the car, I could outrun him because he's an old man. So it's fine. So <laughs> that's what I was thinking. In your gut too like you just know you really like yeah. tune into it when you're alone and I think your gut would have like given you a sounding alarm I would hope so this but isn't like a, an encouragement again. for anybody listening to just yeah. hop in cars but um we'll just hop in a random person's car <laughs> but then it's also um 
it kind of ties to this idea, though, that I think the world is not as scary and dangerous as the media or as people portray it. There's a lot more openness in in all of these places to visitors than people may think. In general, I've felt way more love than I have. And don't get me wrong, I've been in, you know, some fearful kind of borderline sketchy situations that have like put me in unease. But but that's also life and you're going to experience that whether you go out into the world or whether you're here in your own country in your own country, unfortunately for everybody. Completely agree with that. That's kind of like the line that Lydia and I said was like one of the first things when we met. Like, yeah, wait, that could have been a scary situation. It wasn't a scary situation. Oh, what do you know? The world is like better than people make it out to be. And, you know, I think on that line, on that note, what would you say, Megan, are like three, four, or five, however many you want, really, of your favorite things in this world or like five of the most beautiful things in the world? The only thing that springs to mind for me is what your favorite things are. Because I remember once you like listed them out for me. And you're like, those are my favorite things. The, like sunshine, the beach, color orange. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't actually say five favorite. I pulled this one from like a database online and I knew you'd love it. It's what are the most five most beautiful things in the world? Yeah, I think one of my answers is definitely going to be general, like super general. Um, but like all of the different cuisines of the world, like that's my number one window into learning about other people and other places is just their food because like it makes me so happy. So, like the most beautiful things I've experienced have been like looking at beautiful scenery. So like I'm specifically thinking of a range of different sceneries. So like up in the mountains, but also like on a cliff overlooking similar to Rio, but then also one in Greece and then really any beautiful scenery and being able to sit there in silence by yourself. I think that's such, like that feels so nice to me. Um, even though you're by yourself, it doesn't feel lonely. Even though I knew also I had like a friend or whoever I was with was right behind me. Um, but I wanted to sit by myself and just like look, not even think, it was kind of meditative to me. I love, that's like one of my favorite things. <laughs> or like the background noise, like sounds of the waves or birds or music, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I. Honestly, I don't know why, but I love little kids um, and I love old people, like elderly people. And in college, I felt this way too, because like when I would go to um, nursing homes and like I got to spend time with the residents there, I was like, why do I love hanging out with them so much? It was, it was so weird, but it's just, again, something to me that's almost meditative. It's a break out of normal routine, out, away from the normal people that you interact with or the types of people you interact with, which is mainly people our age or maybe like a decade older, they just have such a different outlook on life and it's very refreshing. And it just makes you feel like, don't sweat the little stuff, right? Um, oh, this one's gonna be very recent. One of my favorite things right now is just crystals or healing stones, whatever they're actually called, I'm not sure. I don't know if I 100% believe in their energies, but I don't know, it's kind of like a source of solace, like knowing I have it, I'm like, oh, it kind of makes me feel better. I don't know why I like them so much. Each of them obviously has a different meaning or quote unquote power, I don't know. Um, yeah, I love them. They're pretty. And if, even if they don't do anything, what they represent, I like having that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I was thinking yesterday, I was volunteering um, at like a food pantry. Oh, nice. You would have loved it, by the way. You know, I was talking to the volunteer like coordinator the whole time. And we were basically saying that 
we were on a lot of different topics. At one point we were talking about religion and like the absence of religion and how people in our generation don't have spaces where they congregate with people who are older or younger than them in the way that they used to largely due to religion. But I mean, there's a lot of other reasons, right? Like community gatherings. And I thought about that and it, it might in some way relate to what you were just saying about how it's so beautiful to spend time with people from such starkly different generations from us. Yeah. Like kids have this sense of wonderment and then old people have, I don't want to call them old people, the elderly okay. have all this wisdom to teach us. And yeah. everyone in the middle is just trying to figure it out, really. <laughs> yep. yep. But oh, it's, it's just a phase. I'm going to get over it soon and I'm just going to have a bunch of crystals sitting in my room. When you go in for crystals, girl, there's no, <laughs> there's no turning No back. regrets. No yeah, regrets. No regrets. <laughs> You're just going to like, Maybe yeah. even learn more too. I mean, I'm, I th- I love holding them too, and it for me it's also like a groundedness, like being feeling closer to the earth, and just try meditating and holding a crystal in each hand. It's so. It's yes, I agree, and yeah. also just like hearing you talk about them too, because I was my first question was going to be which ones do you have? I feel like it's just so representative of who you are, or like who you're trying to be, or what you want. Because obviously everyone selects different crystals for different reasons, but they're all super personal, right? So like the ones I selected, they like hit on my work life. So like, okay, I guess I prioritize that and, or like on focus and stuff. I don't know. It's just very telling of who people are if for people who do have them. I have a crystal, um, a moonstone in a necklace and that's one of my favorite crystals and it's in necklace form. So it feels special to wear it. And I feel like, from what I know, Moonstone is like new beginnings and like inner strength and growth and emotional stability. So mm-hmm. I feel like that really ties it home for me. I'm all about new things and welcoming new beginnings and new people, new thoughts, new feelings, mm-hmm. and, and always finding that inner power and that inner strength. Well, especially in this these last couple of years, just like trusting myself and bringing that inner power to this, to my outer realities and not denying it that space, you know? And so, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if they do that, but they, they kind of are this like engine or fuel or outer gas. (laughs) However, the metaphors of like a car, I think are coming up of like kind of getting you in that state of mind and that in, in, and motivating you to where you want to be. That's such a great point. I love that, like how you said that, because now I'm just thinking of it and I'm like, like, what is it with crystals? Like, why do people feel the need to take them? And like you said, you, it gives you that sense of motivation or like that, almost like that strength. So how for me, I don't know about you, Lydia, but I'm not religious in the sense that I don't follow any particular religion. And I feel like a lot of people not everybody, but a lot of people who do follow religion, they take solace in that. That's their source of strength. When they're in times of need, they turn to their religion. That's never been a big factor of my life, but not saying that crystals are my religion. I'm like, oh, this one is supposed to help with, like you said, inner strength or self-love. Like even just like wearing it, holding it, seeing it, you're like, okay. Like it gives, it gets you in that headspace. You're like, okay, like I'm okay. Like it's going to be okay. So in a way, that's my source of solace, kind of like religion in, in a way, I think. I think in some ways this ties into my like analogy I love about like clouds versus anchor or whatever, or like intuitive people versus sensors. It all says the same thing in a bunch of different ways. 
But when it comes to like the physical versus the energy, I think like the three of us live in the world of energy a lot, right? And but crystals are probably such a good tool to help ground you back mm -hmm. into the physical reality. Like walking barefoot in the grass or at the beach and just like laying down on the ground. And so like that's something I've started to explore, like finding more ways to get back in touch with the physical world. And as you two were talking about the crystals, I'm like, oh my God, maybe this is an example of a way to get reattuned to physicality. I like that a lot. That's a, like I another way of looking at it. Even though they also offer a lot of energy. So it kind of, yeah. maybe it depends on the person and what the person needs. Like perhaps someone listening to this is like way more of a physical being who lives in the moment and is very rooted in reality and senses what's around them. And the crystal helps them unlock the more like energetic, intuitive, deeper things. I like that. Oh, I like that too. And it could go both ways, I think. I think that's the beauty in crystals in in a lot of things in our life. Like who's to say kind of like there's no black or white, right? I think there's we're always stuck in this like binary. It's not like it has to work for this or work for that. It's not this absolute. Like so many things are not absolutes in this world. Yeah. So like, but we only, we're only here for a short time. So, and that's, that's an absolute. So why not like, if you want to learn something new or try something new, don't hold yourself back, you know? And I, I think it also ties back to this theme because I love how when you brought up crystals, Megan, there was a sense of hesitancy, like, oh, I don't know if I fully believe it or I'm just learning and I yeah. feel with things surrounding energy and spirituality and new wave sort of topics, there's still like a hesitancy I find it a lot when I talk to people about it who also are just getting into it. And I also felt that at the beginning of my journey with it. But back to basics, don't knock it till you try it, you know? Like, yep. give yourself permission to open up to something new. Like, you're the only one holding yourself back, similar to, oh, I don't know if, like, I'll like Sweden. Like, why do people knock people who like crystals until you try it? And that's all I have to say. And then if you... You know, if you buy some crystals and you're like, mm, it's not my thing, or you go talk to somebody in a crystal shop and you're still kind of like on the fence until you try something uh, and see how that affects you personally. Like Liv said, like it works differently for everybody else. So take everybody's personal experience with a grain of salt. It reminds me of that quote, like, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but like, don't judge someone until like you've walked in another man's shoes or something like that. Like I remember Men, the woman, non-binary. <laughs> yeah. Right. Make it more non-binary. But you know what I'm talking about? The quote about like, yeah. you have to experience life through someone else's shoes first before you pass judgment. Who are, who are those people? What? Like, why would anyone judge? I've just had people that like, they just don't say much when I'm like, yeah, like my crystals are like, Oh cool. But that's it. Not just crystals, just anything new age. And crystals fall in that camp, but when I talk about tarot cards or oh, okay. cards and crystals or anything of the like, in a way that I'm still in the journey of learning about it and still absorbing it all, or even Reiki. Like, I, I get Reiki done sometimes, and that's oh, a little bit like hippy dippy for some folks, which I get. But as long as you're open to, like, you, you don't even have to get Reiki done. But I do notice sometimes I've been met with, like, a wall or, an, like, a blockage when I bring it up in some spaces, not everywhere. You know, if you ever feel like you want to do try it, give it a shot. But otherwise, just, like, you know, be open to the idea of it at the very least, even if you don't want to try it for yourself. 
Yeah. No, I think that's such a great point. I feel like I'm still like in the beginning stages of learning about, I guess, as a whole spirituality. But I guess, like you said, some people do consider it like hippy dippy stuff. And I never did. Like sometimes people would be like, oh, that's like so woo woo or that's so good. Yeah. I'm afraid of the unknown. I think that a lot of people judge these kinds of things because they just don't understand them. They may not want to, and that's totally fine. That's their prerogative. But right, like, are we literally just holding shiny rocks that are different colors and we just, <laughs> the placebo effects feel like they help us accomplish things? Maybe. But is there anything wrong with that? No. Yeah, if it's not harming you, like, or somebody else, yeah. health-wise, bodily-wise, then, like, what's the issue? Like, I'm like, you live your truth. Like, if your truth is like crystal free zone, then that's your truth, you know? Yeah. No, 100%. I absolutely agree. Guys, I feel like we could go on and on and on. We sit in the park, like, on a freaking bench for like five hours. Like, when we, we were- have been called out for doing this by strangers. Yeah, wait, that literally happened, right? Oh, was in Cartagena, yeah. yeah. We like met some random local. He like came up to start talking to us while we were having like in depth talks. And he's like, well, I'm going to this club. Do you want to come? We're like, no, but maybe. And so we like, we're like, okay, like, bye. Took each other's contacts down. He left. I guess he came back a couple hours later to the park. He's like, you guys are still here? We're like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you are such strange girls. <laughs> we're like, okay. It's a Friday night in a foreign country and we're just sitting <laughs> on the park. <laughs> You're strange girls. <laughs> well, on that note, we're all fun and strange and weird yes and love it the stranger the better we're gonna wrap it up with that the stranger the better guys <laughs> is there anything that you want to plug with our listeners no i would just say i hope everyone stays safe and just always practice kindness thanks megan we were so happy to have you on thanks for sharing your heart and get down and dirty and vulnerable with us today We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Who Are You Really? We'll be back next Thursday. Same time, same place. You can listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at Who Are You Really Podcast. Or feel free to join our Facebook group, The Humans of Who Are You Really, to connect to some of the people who have been on air and other deep thinkers and feelers. If you liked this episode and want to continue listening, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts and stories. Until next time, sending love to you wherever you are.